a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Flyracing.com. Go to your local dealer. Demand to use and see Fly Racing. And uh, whether it's the gear that Benny Bloss, Blake Baggett, Weston Pike, Zach Osborne wear, whether it's their line of hard parts or uh, mountain bike stuff, whatever it is, Fly Racing has got you covered. 2019 gear is out soon or maybe now depending on when you're listening to this and uh, some exciting things from uh, those guys for 2019 as well so thanks to uh, fly racing and thanks for the support that you guys have given them over the years to watch them grow and grow much like the guy on the lines company also to uh, maxis tires maxis.com mxst tire out now please get it this is a premium tire from the folks at maxis designed to compete against anything that's out there developed by jeremy mcgrath Used at Mammoth by him as well. Uh, please check out Maxxis.com. Uh, from your bike to your trailer to your truck to your mountain bike, Maxxis has got you covered. And, of course, Alpine Stars. Alpine Stars protects. It's that simple, whether it's the A1 chest protector, the A4, the Tech 10, which is the benchmark boot in moto, the Tech 7, which I love myself, uh, whether it's the bionic neck support system, Alpine Stars protects. We've seen uh, all of the quality products over the years from those guys. And trust me, I went to Italy. I saw the factory, and all the love that they put into those products is unbelievable. Um, so thanks to all those companies for making this podcast happen, and uh, you people for listening. Uh, with me on the line, a friend of mine uh, has been in the industry for a long time. His company simply continues to elevate the uh, the game each and every year with um, products that factory teams actually purchase. They want them to use them so bad, and uh, many, many racers out there, privateers and works riders alike, uh, use this company. It's Eric Phipps from Works Connection. What's up, Eric? How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. You couldn't put it off anymore. You couldn't dodge me anymore, Eric. I, uh, you know, I tried, but yeah, you were pretty persistent. Pretty <laughs> Absolutely. Persistent. Thanks for that uh, intro too. That was yeah. Uh, that's what I. That's what I do. A little, a little bit of a big buildup, but. Um, no, no. Hey, um, that's what that's what we do. All right, you're worth it. Your company's been in business since uh, 1989, 1990. Thanks. 1989. 1989, yeah. and uh, everybody knows Works Connection name, of course, and and uh, everybody's used the products. I think at some point, uh, most people listening, I probably used one of your products on their motorcycles at some point. Man, it's been uh, it's been an amazing ride for you. Do you ever just sit back there and think about that? I mean, do you do you think about wow, like look how far we've come? You know, I don't. Uh, not a lot, anyway. Um, I should, but yeah, you know, it's weird because we you get so busy and you're day-to-day stuff that you you don't so actually i'm kind of looking forward to this uh, with you to be honest because it's a little bit of a kind of bring up some memories and where we started you know we weren't 
big from the start, obviously. Yeah. No, it's kind of cool. Um, how's business these days? How's the industry these days? I, I you know, I, I have this network of uh, podcast shows and, and website, PulpMX, and of course, I work for RacerX also as a freelance guy, and and I, I talk about the industry with a lot of people, and I know a lot of people, and it seems things are better. It seems like people are buying bikes again, uh, maybe more two-strokes than ever before, but how's business for you? Like, how, how are we doing? You know, overall, as a whole, it's it's good. The last, uh, I would say, six, seven years have been have been good, and we've seen, you know, pretty much some years stay about the same, but overall, we've seen growth throughout all those years, although we're, you know, we're constantly working on new stuff and, and trying to up the ante, and, you know, if you're stagnant, I think, you're going to suffer. So yep. we're always looking for new new ideas and, of course, working with the race teams. Um, they help with some ideas or ways to improve the products. Um, but, no, overall sales yeah. for us, um, knock on wood, have, have been, you know, just solid. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like it's coming around, you know, from where it was a while ago. And um, I don't know. Do you see the emergence of two-strokes? Do you see more two-stroke products? Uh, we do. Yeah. We do. You know, the KTM, obviously, and Husqvarna keep – Moving forward with theirs, the Yamaha is still a, a real solid package. But mm-hmm. no, our, you know we do frame guards for some of the the Yamahas, and we do yep. some other parts. And no, we're seeing a trend, and you know it makes sense. Um, you know, I ride a four-stroke myself, mm-hmm. but I'm actually getting a Husqvarna 125 here in the next couple of months. Oh, nice! As soon as Pingree's done racing it in these uh, outdoor outdoor deals, <laughs> but. Uh, mm-hmm. No, so I mean everybody started on two strokes. You yep. know? I mean a lot of people forget that, and it's it's a nice entry level way of still going riding. You know yep. you can tear the thing apart in your garage, and yeah, they. I mean it's nice to to keep those things around for sure. I uh, was talking to Peyton a little while ago, and yeah, he says pipes and silencers for two strokes still doing very well and growing for him. You know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a market. It's an emerging market, for sure. Funny how that works, an emerging market of something that is, is around for so long, right? Um, yeah, if you're long, around long enough, everything comes full circle. So. Yeah. yeah, right, really, right? Um, hey, so kind of good news and big news for, for WC. Travis Pastrana just finished these jumps on History Channel and used an Indian uh, twin to do it. And right there, worst connection perch, adjustable perch, uh, front and center. Uh, nice job on that. Way to go with the product placement, Eric. Oh, you know, that was planned. We, we planned that for like five years now. Actually, yeah. I, was, I was really pumped to see it on there, and those are good guys rolling sands down there, building the bikes, and we were definitely excited. And I was excited on multiple levels because I was growing up in the 70s. I'm a huge Evil Knievel fan, so right. I thought the whole thing was really cool for mm-hmm. Travis, you know, to honor him, and yeah, and to have the the product on the bike, and we were really, really pumped on it. Yeah, uh, I would bet that's that's a pretty neat thing. Uh, tried to bring it up with Travis on uh, on the Pulp Show about it, uh, just to plug you a little bit in the product because I have one on my bike, and I mean anybody who has one loves them. And and he didn't seem to like it was his choice. It was maybe Roland Sands' choice, Eric. But you'll take it either way. I'll, I'll take it either way. I'll take it either way. <laughs> right? No, I thought that was funny. I was like trying to. I was hoping he'd be like, "Yeah, man, I love those things. Like, I just you know, I got to use that." Type of perch, or you know, or you I know, love the adjustability used them over the years for sure. Oh, for sure, right? Yeah, but um, yeah, it uh, no, it's that's cool, cool exposure for you guys, and a really neat uh, deal as well to to be featured. I think. Um, so, uh, getting back into sort of how you started and how things we mentioned, nineteen eighty nine. You're from NorCal, Sacramento area. How does Works Connection start? What 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 goes on? 
Oh, well, if i got to start at the beginning, I'm yeah. probably, you know, I've been a dirt bike fanatic since I was probably 10 years old, mm-hmm. maybe maybe longer than that. So, yeah, born and raised uh, Northern California. And pretty much once I started riding, I realized, you know, I enjoyed riding and, and racing just at a local level, amateur level, of course. And I realized, man, I love dirt bikes, mm-hmm. but I'm not good enough and I'm not willing to hang it out far enough to, to make a go at anything besides just riding for fun. But um, and, it, and then the thought never crossed my mind, honestly, of making a business at, you know, yeah. early on. Um, but what did happen is I, my dad actually, my parents are separated, so mm-hmm. my dad lives in Southern California, and he had a business out of his house um, called Jenny Shifter, which built hot rod parts. Oh, okay. Street rod cool. parts, yep, yep. shifters, a lot of aluminum products. Yeah. Was he a machinist? Like was he, did he, like, he was not a machinist, no. He, he literally he just... worked out of his house. Okay. So he had a house. He had, you know, the garage was a shipping area assembly. He yeah, yeah. had at the time probably, you know, three or four or five people working there. Oh, wow. And in the late 80s, um, he had asked me, you know, if I wanted to come down and, and work for him. Mm-hmm. I was working locally at a retail plumbing and electrical shop, which, you know, I had no interest in. All I wanted to yeah. do was right. work at a dirt bike shop yeah. or be involved somehow. How so, old are you at this point around? This is... 88. Okay. So, so I am probably, ooh, 21? Okay, yeah, so he's still 20, young. Yeah, yeah. 20, still. 20, yeah, probably 20 at yeah. this point, 21. So I moved down there. Uh, you know, of course, I've read the magazines forever. Yeah, right. I'm like, man, this is Southern California. It's where you got to be. Mm-hmm. So I went to, you know, I went to a few tracks, started meeting some people, went to De Anza and Sunrise and... Mm-hmm few different places, LACR, and just rode down there. Um, but during that process, you know, I was, I was, I was basically the gopher at that point. Yeah. I was running errands. I'm going to downtown L.A. in the middle of the hood to pick up a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm like, it's, it's pretty odd now that I think about it. Like, <laughs> holy crap, that was, that was pretty intense. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, but through that process, you know, I started working with the machinists, and I started working with the plating shops and the metal stamping places, and kind of started to see how things work, and um, you know, just went at it at that way for a while. And one of the cool things too, we, I mean, he dealt with a lot of cool companies, and one of them was um, Hot Rods by Boyd, which okay. is Boyd Coddington. All right. He had him actually make some aluminum. He was Boyd was milling uh, aluminum. Uh, gas pedals and brake pedals for him at the time. Yep. And there was a guy there named Alan Budnick who went on to, you know, he has his own wheel company now, so I worked a little bit with him. And mm-hmm. it, it was just a cool experience to kind of, I've never seen anything like that. I thought, man, this is really cool. The machines always, you know, yeah. always interested in the machines. I thought they were really cool. And um, so just kind of, it, it went from that, you know, the street rod stuff was cool. Yeah. I liked it. I did that for... A little over a year. Okay. But after a year, I was I was literally sleeping on my dad's couch. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'd have, you know, and, and the rooms are filled with product. Yeah. And, you know, I'm riding. I'm trying to do this. But, you know, I'm like, I'm a small-town guy. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty reserved. Uh-huh. And I just, I wanted to get back to NorCal. And basically, I just came up with this idea. And I thought, man, the light bulb kind of kicked on. Like, I could do something very similar to what sure. he's doing. Yeah. Keep the expenses down. Work out of my house. I didn't have a house, of course. Right, right. Yeah, but work I, out I of some point. Back in with my mom, but <laughs> at some point, the ultimate right. thing. I, I had an '88 K 
KX250, uh-huh. and I wanted a skid plate for it. Yeah. And, like, you know, I wanted the one like Jeff Ward had or yeah. Dogger or something. You know, you see all these cool ones on these factory bikes, and I just, there was nothing out there like that at the time. Yeah, they were just, just aluminum. They would just make pans and weld them to the frames, right? I mean, it was just. Yeah, the factory guys were doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, they yeah, just yeah. weld tabs to the frame. Yep. So, um, but everything you could find, it was more, I don't want to say off-road or snow shovel, but it was nothing contoured the rail. It was just kind of thrown on there. Some of them even had hose clamps, strapping it to the frame or, you know. So I, I literally thought, I, and I built one in my in my dad's garage, and I thought, you know what, this, this yeah. is pretty cool. I could, you know, maybe, maybe there's a need for it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, rolled the dice. I actually, you know, I was able to save money living with him. So, put everything I had. I moved moved back up. I moved back in with uh, with my mom at the time, mm-hmm. and just worked on it for probably six or eight months. With yeah. found local fab shops. I actually um, Jake Wyndham, who was a was a pretty predominant guy in freestyle back in the day. His dad Royce introduced me to. Uh, this local fab shop that he was friends with, and we started throwing ideas out, mm-hmm. and they ultimately um, made our first, you know, production run of skid plates. Wow! So you 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 totally fabbed your eighty eight KX two fifty, the first one. Like that's how you you did it. Yeah, you're like underneath yeah. there, and yeah, no, I, and, you know, yeah, I yeah. cut it and right? I, I bent the thing. It wasn't. Uh, what'd you I, use I for tabs? What'd you? How'd you figure out the? What was your first system of like bolting it on there? <laughs> Conduit straps. Oh, okay. Like one hole, yeah, you yeah. know, you go to the hardware store yeah. and you just get these. I pressed in pin nuts so they had a thread in them. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, beyond janky at the time, but it, <laughs> but the concept was there. Yeah, and I yeah. Thought, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. And I went into this, you know, I, I'm, I'm young enough, honestly, I'm young enough uh-huh. and, to be honest, dumb enough that I thought, you know, if nothing else, I'll have all kinds of stuff for my buddy's bikes sure sure you know, I'll, I'll take care of them good at christmas and whatever <laughs> and then you're like wait not everybody just wants skid plates for 88 kx250s i gotta get all the models <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um exactly. and how do you how did you determine i mean i don't know how much you homework you did into this with your dad or yourself how much you determine the strength of aluminum needed was there a trial and error thing or was there is there a standard uh, aluminum a grade that bit. works yeah, no, there's a little bit. Um, okay. That, you know, we ended up using, and we started, and we still use to this day, 8th inch. Okay. And it's a T6 aluminum, so it's an aircraft grade. It's, mm-hmm. it's pliable, but it's strong. It holds, okay. holds its shape. So there was a little bit of a learning curve. We were actually using similar products in some of the street rods mm-hmm. stuff for license plate frames and oh, okay. yeah. and things like that. Um, so we, so I was, you know, getting more familiar with the materials over the years. So you fab up a skid plate, and you've got a machine shop, and how do you get the other models? Your buddies' bikes and dealerships? Like, is that how you start? You're like, i got to offer a full range of skid plates. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I look at, you know, back then, the good part was you basically, I started with 125s and 250s. I just went for yeah. the, main, right. the main bike. So there wasn't all that many bikes. And then we did the 500s, of course, with the KX and the, and the CR. But mm-hmm. Back then, it it was a lot of models, but it, in compared to today, it was nothing. So, yeah. yeah, I'd borrow bikes. My local dealers, I had a local Kawasaki shop, Mike Cycle, still in Placerville. There, we've been friends with those guys. And they're great people. Mm-hmm. So, I borrowed all their bikes. You know, all our local dealers in the area from Roseville, that's Sacramento, I cool. borrow bikes. Yeah, and, yeah, and got started building. Um, you know. A relationship yeah. with these guys early on, so um, okay. the borrowing of bikes actually worked out 
you know, it was probably an easy deal. Yeah, so, okay, so you, you have this product. Works Connection comes from Works Bike, I guess, and you have the connection, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I just came up. You know, I, right. liked, I liked Works. I had some other ideas um, with metal and mm-hmm. something in the name, but I thought, no, I, I like Works, and I couldn't tie it in. And then um, I had another buddy at the time I worked with. He had a company called uh, Reception Connection who did satellite dishes. Okay. And I thought, I like that connection yeah, yeah, yeah. part. Right, so right. I just merged the two together. I mean, it's you know, you have these light, some light bulb moments where things are just yeah. whatever, and and that was one of those moments. I'm just like, oh, it hit me. Like, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, you it's know, so. funny. I, people ask me about Pulp MX. Like, how the hell did you get that name? And literally, I'm like, ah, it's kind of my. It's what this is what I was thinking, and it just I don't know. It just seemed like it worked. Like it, you know, like, it, like I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I just had one idea that. In ten minutes, I flushed it all out of my brain, and I went with it. Right, like exactly. It, and you got to go with that, yeah. you know, whether it's yeah. Um, so, do you start? Are you are you ma- so you making these? You, you you have enough money to put in an initial stocking order, I imagine. You're you're, you're yeah, stocking a lot we, of CR. You're stocking a lot of CR ones. <laughs> well, of course, the Hondas are big back in the day. Yeah. Um, so we we had a plan, or I had a plan. I'm just I'm going to do skid plates, and. We talked a little bit about my dad. You know, he did the street rod, the uh-huh. license plate frames. Yeah. Well, at his stamping company, they'd stamp out the frames, and then they'd go and they'd trim the edges. But they had all the centers of the license plate frames. Okay. Blanks. Yeah. And so I worked a deal out with my dad that I would drive down there and pick up these blanks from him. And it was a different material than the skid plates, but I made these. Uh, there were well, I made front and rear caliper guards out of that material. Oh yeah, right. Right. So I recycled, okay. you know, the inners of those things. Right. It's, like, hey, it's free material at the time. I'm thinking, yeah. I only have to drive eight hours down, you know, down and eight hours back <laughs> to have this. You know, right. again, I'm like, I have more time yeah. than than brains or money at that point. So yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I can, yeah, let's make this work. So I'd go down there and I'd stock up. So when we we launched, we had our, our very first um, ad came out in the January issue of Motocross Action. Okay. So this is about late November of 89 is when we officially opened the doors and we had skid plates available for all of the Japanese bottles and then front and rear caliper guards um, for some of the bikes as well. Um, so I'll, I was going to ask you about placing it out of MXA and get started. So I was thinking you started taking this stuff to the local races and selling it. And it was moving, but maybe not. Maybe you just said, "Ah, we're going, we're going," you know, nationwide. You know, I I, I did a little bit of both actually. Yeah. But the first thing I did was I I wanted to get it out in magazines, and it's, you know, back then, you know, this is pre-internet. Oh yeah. Day. So, the the quickest way you could get an ad out back then was Cycle News. You know, the little mm-hmm. quick shop ads yeah. in the back. You mail it in. You wait a couple of weeks. It comes out. That was that was the quickest way. Um, that you could get it. And so a magazine ad, yeah, you know, I, I, you produce that ad like two months ahead of time, and you're just waiting for it to come out. And but in the meantime, I was, you know, going around to these dealers that, um, you know, I was borrowing the bikes from yeah. and either having them, you know, sometimes they were buying, you know, we'll, we'll buy one, we'll try it. Sure. Or I, I did some consignment stuff with a local Honda dealer, Carmichael Honda, back in the oh, day. Yeah. And, um, you know, just I'm just trying to you know get some stuff out there. I uh, honestly I don't know what I'm doing. I, I didn't I didn't <laughs> I spent two weeks in a junior college and then I broke my ankle on a dirt bike and never went back. So yeah. unfortunately, I wish I would have had some marketing expertise yeah. or something. But so I, I'm just basically I had a, a somewhat of a plan with like pricing how I needed to do it and what I needed to do to cover the ads and. <laughs> 
And the, <laughs> the job I was working at the time was I just I just wanted to sell enough. My my goal. Oh wait, you know, so you were, you had a job? Or, you, you had a job also? This was a side. I was still work. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I I had a job at this local plumbing electrical place when oh, I. Yep. And then I went to L.A. for a year, yep. and when I came back, I, I still had probably nine months to a year of development oh. of all this stuff. Okay. So they, they yeah. hired me back, and yeah. I worked there and then did this stuff at night or weekends and until I could, uh, you know, open it up. Oh, ah, okay. Um, wh- when did you put – did you sell the first skid plates with the open cell foam, or how did that come about? You had the blue open yeah. cell foam. Was that the idea yeah, right away? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So the the very first ones we that that was a little bit further down the road. The oh, okay. very first skid plates we had did not have did the not foam, have but I think okay. I found the foam maybe a year later. Okay. Maybe right. a couple of years later. But yeah, it was that blue blue foam and we put them in all the plates and um that was that was a huge find because that was the race teams loved that stuff. Right. Um and not everybody could get it or knew where it was and I just kinda of stumbled upon it, you know, and well, what what I was going to say is obviously there's a lot of steps along the way, but I seem to remember, and I'm in Canada this time, so you know I'm, I don't exactly have my finger on the pulse of what's going on, but I seem to remember you having a lot of success with these skid plates right away with privateers and other teams and other people because there was, like you said, uh, it, the only thing out there was an off-road heavy-duty skid plate, right? And um, people were like, yeah, it's going to help you glide off jumps. You know what I mean? Like people are going to be like, oh, it's when you case a jump, you'll, it'll help you, you know, not dig in right. and all this. And it like w- was something that was a, pretty much a hit right away. Am I right? I, or no? no yes and no, for <laughs> okay. sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, um, and, and honestly, a big part of that and the part that I'm, well, not We're going to get to. No, we're, get, we're getting to landing. reminded me, but yeah. So in, in 88 I, or 89, I moved back. Yeah. And I meet Steve Lampson through a mutual friend of mine, Eddie Reed. Okay. And I get to know Steve a little bit, his brother. I know I get to know their parents. I'm, you know, hanging out. We're riding a little bit here and there. Lammy is DGY Yamaha at this Lammy point. Lammy is, uh, at that point, he is DGY Yamaha. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's probably late 88. Okay. I'm assuming. Yeah. Because um, he went to Suzuki in 89. So I got to know Lammy through, you know, that and... And then he got a ride with, uh, well, still through DGY, but he switched to Suzuki's. So, and he was all about running the stuff. He goes, man, it'll be great for Supercross. You know, he's new to yeah. Supercross. And so through Lammy, you know, he, he's got his group of guys that he rides with, and people start seeing stuff around. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, back in the day, we had a pretty good lead-in just going into to the races, so I started yeah, getting yeah. calls from these guys who I'm like, wow, holy crap, these guys are guys I read about in the magazine. <laughs> right. You know, you got yeah. Billy Whitley and... You're like, Todd um, to Hoops on line five. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and stuff kind of, I won't say it snowballed, but it, the word got out pretty quick because it, it was an advantage in, like you said, landing from a triple. You know, the triples yeah. were gnarly back in the day on a 125, two-stroke. So, yeah, um, yeah, we started gaining some momentum there, but, you know, throughout... All of the initial stuff, you know, it all kind of points back to Lampson. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lamp, yeah. So Lampson's using the products. He's, you know, he's doing pretty well. Let me ask you this though, like, in you know, and I remember Lammy in '88 and '89 as a you know a pretty fast guy. He was number 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 was he uh, national number seventy nine I think twenty nine one year before before peak before the peak days. Oh, I think. Shoot. Um, but anyways, actually, no, he wasn't. That was after. I, I'm trying to blank yeah, on the number. I yeah. am too. But but the point is, is 
Lamson, a good dude, real friendly guy, uh, awesome. Did you have any idea when you first met him, and he's a NorCal guy, like, he'd be one of the all-time greatest 125 racers and, you know, factory rider for forever? Like, I feel like Lamson's career kind of really was like a meteoric, meteoric rise a little bit. Right, right. No, back then, you know, I mean, he was, he was, you knew he was fast, but there's always a lot of fast guys around. And I yeah. actually actually raced um, Steve back in the day in the Sack Raceway. We had these okay. Friday night races. I was on 125, and he'd come out as an 80 and just kick everybody's butt. <laughs> so I, you know, but yeah. I mean, you knew the kid was fast. But it was the same time that you know Talon Bolin was around. Right, so they right. were they were battling, and yeah, you knew. I mean, I, w- he, I, I had an guess... idea he was going to go far in the sport, but you don't. I mean, a championship yeah. that's, a, right. that's a stretch, you know. No, for sure, right? Like I feel like he outkicked his his. What everyone thought he was going to do, you know what I mean? He all kicked his coverage that way. Like, people were like, yeah, Lampson's a good rider, but Steve was great rider. Steve was amazing, you know? Right, um, right. Uh, so, okay, so that's a big that's a big part then, getting getting it on Lampson's Suzuki's and, and his Yamaha when he rode the big, when he rode the outdoors, he rode the 360, I think. Um, that kind of stuff really helped you out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was, yeah, so in, uh, ni- that was 1990. So 90... Excuse me. He's on a Suzuki mm-hmm. first year. Yeah, we started getting um, stuff on other bikes. We ended up getting plates on, like, you know, Ty Davis, who actually won the West Coast Championship that year. No, oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, on his Honda. It was a on-the-line Honda. was yep. building him CR125s. And I remember cutting, like, handmade stickers out for Ty. We're trying to get him to stick on the bike. And, I mean, it, it, you know, it's all stuff you look back and you're like wow what, what the hell are we doing but dude two years uh two years into forming this thing you got a championship guy you exactly. know yeah that's pretty cool and yeah and it was amazing but it, at that time is like you're i'm just focusing on selling some parts and yeah. trying to get ads and paying bills and you know just trying to keep moving forward are you still the only are, is it just you right now still like just just you yeah, yeah. And it was i was a one man show until probably 93ish oh wow huh um, yeah so i'm i'm doing everything you know i had a basically the house i grew up in we had a little, we had a game room we had a pool table there mm-hmm. and i'd set up an office ran a phone line out there yeah yeah we had a separate garage um about 100 feet from the house that had you know just all my stuff in it <laughs> i do all the packaging out in the garage i had a, a phone with answer machine right there in the in the house yeah and, you know i'd literally have to run back and forth because the phone would maybe ring or don't want to miss a call <laughs> or it's pouring rain or but no i'd get a, oh, yeah. for a couple skid plates i'd go back in the garage we had to hand scrape them to deburr them and i'd build them right put the brackets on them and um every bracket and out the door they went every bracket was the same early on like no we no? had probably four or five different ones. okay the so, hondas used had a bigger diameter okay tube than yeah. the, the kawasaki yeah so there was a few different ones right. in that in that mix and let sure. me just be the first to tell you that as a as a Early owner of Worst Connection products, um, when you switched from the countersunk Phillips screws to the eight mil, six mil, eight mil head uh, bolts, I, I thank you very much for that because those no, Phillips countersunk screws <laughs> were a bitch. They were a I, bitch. <laughs> I know it, but you know, we we when I first did, I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm going, what about Allen heads? You know, but Allen's would fill with mud. Yeah, and it yeah. was kind of a lesser of two evils, but yeah, that that did evolve, just like everything yeah, evolved. Yeah. But, 
I remember yeah. the the second version of one I got. I'm like, oh, they switched the heads, thank God, because they, they, they seize up in there and everything else. And so, um, yeah, it was it was it was neat to see the the evolution of the product. Um, so, Lampson gets a peak ride, and he's a huge help to get you on the uh, Pro Circuit team, huh? Yeah. So. I- you know, and Lampson, of course, he he's tied in with all of these connections moving forward. No yep. pun intended, but <laughs> yeah. So he moves to to Peak. He tells me about this, and he said, you know, and I don't even remember how it worked out. To be honest, I get a call from one of the guys down there, and they're like, "Hey, we want to, you know, send down some skid plates. We'll try them out." And and they had actually cut the backs at an angle and did some different. You know, they welded tabs to the frame, but they were they ran our plates oh, okay. first year of yep. the Peak. So. You instantly have McGrath and Swink and Buell and, and then Lampson. I mean, of course, I mean, that was like, holy crap, you know, that's that's big. Those things are, you know, it's on the main guy's bike. Yeah, yeah. And, that, you know, my intention going in was to sell, I just wanted to sell the average Joes, you know. I wanted right. them to, to have stuff. It was, I mean, it, it amazed me, like, when the teams and people started wanting to get the stuff. And, of course, I gave out a lot of free yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, that was my question so. to you. Like, you got to be careful a little bit, right? Like, you're giving this stuff away to a lot of guys. Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're just like, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, we, I, I kind of had a budget in mind. These plates, you know, we know what they cost. And I'm like, man, these guys are top-level guys. Yeah. And, but at that point, I couldn't. I couldn't use them in any ads, you know. I'm 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 running these like maybe quarter page ads, uh-huh. and I've got enough budget. I'm thinking, okay, I've got enough budget. I can do this for about a year, okay, and see how things go. And um, so, yeah, no, but I just started getting them out there, and you know, Fred, Fred Andrews, all these guys, Jeff Glass, back in the the surf detergent days, and. Um, yeah, so these guys started running them, and you know, just started. Kind of, I won't say steamrolling. It took yeah. a while to get going. Well, Nothing is overnight, you know. But I was going to say, like, uh, to get on, you know, to get on from Lampson to all these riders to Ty Davis and then onto the Peak team. And I remember there was a photo of McGrath. I want to say he might have been on a Peak 250. He might one of the indoor races he did. Uh, and he's there's a shot in MXA, and I'll, I can picture it in my head. And it's just your skid plate, like he's whipping it a little bit, and you see the Worst Connection logo and everything, right? Right. Um, yeah. And. and but you're still a one-man guy at this time, so so things couldn't have been absolutely killing it, right? Like, no, no, yeah, not, not by any means, right, um, right. You know, about that same time, we got in with uh, the peak stuff. Pro Circuit started selling the skid plates, yep. for it as well. So I'm getting these now. These orders are going from ones and twosies mm-hmm. to oh, you know, Pro Circuit. Wow, they they took thirty plates. You know, I was <laughs> right. just you know, I'm dancing all over the place, but. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it, it, everything takes time. What was that? Uh, what was Peyton like to deal with back then? How was he? You know, I never dealt directly with him. No, not 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 initially. No, yeah. I dealt um, with Jim. With diff- yeah, with Jim. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I don't even remember like how we worked out price. I'm all that's my memories. <laughs> you went up, to, but you must have went back. up at Anaheim and went, "Hey, I'm Eric. Thanks for using my skid plates." Yeah. <laughs> No, that would that would not be me going up and anybody knows me. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's I, I like to hang on the sidelines. I'm not a right. big up front guy, but no. So. Um okay, so frame guards are next at some point, right? You're just like, "Hey, wait. We can do those also." 
Yeah, you know, back, I'm trying to think, probably they started showing up on the Suzuki's and, well, and the Honda's probably 92, 91, 92. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's one of those things like, man, that is cool, and and nobody has anything available at all. Well, so you saw them on factory bikes, like Honda was doing them? Yeah, I guess Honda had the rear rear master cylinder guard, right? They started Honda, I believe, I want to say 92. Okay. Was when Bale and yeah, and, and I think they had them on their bikes. You know, of course, yep. custom made one, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, we we saw that. That was our first kit we did. Was obviously a Honda kit back then. The CR250 was just crazy yeah. numbers yep. uh, of bikes out. So we thought, listen, I'm, I'm going to go after. I keep saying we, but it's still me. <laughs> it's still you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just you know, we I started the frame guards and. The, that was kind of an interesting thing. I mean, there was a there was a pretty good learning curve in that. Oh, I bet, right? Like you got to think each model, and then the holes needed, and the machining, and the yes, lots of work. Yeah, yeah. So we're I'm doing that. I'm I've, I've got a buddy of mine who's around lives at this point now. I, I've moved out of my mom's. I was I was at my mom's for about a year mm-hmm. and a half. In '91, I rented a uh, a triplex. Um, with Scott McElroy down in, in Granite Bay or down in Roseville area and worked out of that. I, was, I thought I was in heaven. I was in heaven because I had a whole bedroom for my <laughs> office and to store stuff, and I had half yeah. of a garage that that I could use for storage, and I just had all this space all of a sudden. I'm like, man, this is really cool. But, it, you know, some of those days are, are I, I look back and fun because it's like I'm answering the phones, and then he'd get he'd – get, off work, and then he'd cover phones for me for a little bit because I had to run errands or yeah. run the machine shop. And, yeah. Um, but then, in, yeah, so in 93, I bought my first house in Antelope, California, which is kind of just outside Sacramento. Um, are, and so that's you're... about when the frame guards started getting, you know, we started, or we, I introduced the frame guards. It was about that same time. Are you, uh, do you have a distributor at this point? Are you talking to Tucker or Parts or somebody like well, that? Well, I, I, at that point, no. No. But okay. that other tie-in, you know, you mentioned Lampson got in with yeah. the circuit. So he, the following year, he goes to Suzuki. Right. So that was our lead-in to Suzuki. Now Team Suzuki in 92 is running the skid plates. They, yeah. And they started making their own frame guards. They had custom molded, you know, frame guards as well. But they are, you know, with Lusk and all those guys mm-hmm. and Cooper, they're running, yep. you know, our skid plates there. And in a roundabout way, Ray Tetherton's uh, wife at the time, Lisa Tetherton, worked at Tucker Rocky. Okay. So there was a tie-in, and, and Ray approached me one time and said, hey, Tucker, you know, I'm, uh, is interested in these skid plates. Would you consider, you know, using them as a distributor? And I didn't even, you know, I, I knew that was big if I could get in with a distributor. Yeah. And so that, you know, it just, these doors just opened here and there. And, you know, I still got it. I think Steve Lampson, and I, I'll never yeah. be able to repay him for what he did and put us on the map and yeah. ran helmet stickers pretty much his whole career for, you know, nothing. And, um, but, you know, he got us in the door with Suzuki, and that opened that, and pretty soon uh, Tucker Rocky was, you know, distributing the skid planes. And now you're on your way now. Like, you know, that that helped a yeah, ton, honestly. Yeah. It, um, you, you didn't make a lot, honestly, on, you know, on each piece, but mm-hmm. you're, like, you're moving some volume now. We'd have work parties over at my house at night. We'd crank the music up. My buddies would come over, and we'd just go through the POs and package skid plates. And, yeah. And then eventually frame guards and... 
um, get these orders out the door. But you know, I'm going. I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm, I'm making like eight dollars on this one. This awesome, you know, right? Eight dollars. You know, I'm, right, right. It's, it's just dumb. But it, I mean, it, you look back and it's. Well, they sold you know, for sixty-five, I think, the first ones. You know, back, I, I believe they were fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. Okay. Yeah. First thing. So, yeah. So you're you're selling these things. Obviously, you're you know you. you taking a big hit because it's a distributor and they right. sell the dealers and and it was a it, was, it turned out it was a margin that you know I, I kind of based my products initially off how my dad did his stuff yeah. with street rod parts yeah. well street rod you had the retail customers and you had dealers you had no, there was no distributors right and so he, he kind of had this formula he used like yeah you know pretty much if you go three times what it costs you it covers your advertising your overhead mm-hmm. your expenses well, now I'm yeah. kind of I factored it kind of off of that, and then I'm like, man, this distributors are an extra <laughs> whole cut. Yeah. So we, we had to I had to look at that point at um, basically how we're going to price everything, adjust some stuff here and there. But you know, I was just happy to be doing some volume. Yeah. Um, at that time, and it, people are still at this time sending in like. Uh, a, a piece of paper from the magazine with their credit card number on it, right, and an envelope, and here you. Yeah, no, like, they're they're calling. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're. I mean, they're just picking up the phone to call. Yeah. Um, yeah. and actually, uh, you know, I forget a lot of stuff over the years, but if I can go back a little bit, yeah. In '89, my I mean, I remember getting my very first phone call, and the guy says, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm looking at motocross action, and I'm uh-huh. just." This is cool, and the guy's name is Adrian Quintero. And Adrian, if you're out there, thank you. You're the first guy. Oh, that's cool. Out yeah, of, yeah. Out of uh, Whittier, California, and he ordered some Honda 250 stuff, of course. Yeah, so that's, that was the bike back then. But yeah, how cool is that? Oh, you remember so, you remember him too. Yeah, that's neat. I, you know, there's there's things like that, <laughs> right. of course, that are just locked in. Right. You right. Know, I had my ledger books, and I have you know keep track of the bookkeeping. I had no idea what I was doing. So. <laughs> I. Uh, I'll never forget getting the first back page of Cycle News. I grew up reading the Cycle News, you know. And right. I, Kit Palmer asked me to write something, and I got the back page. And I was like, I was like, just no, I'll never forget that. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm writing the back page of Cycle News, you know. So <laughs> things okay. like that, yeah, I'll never. It'll just amazing, right? Um, yeah, no, it, it logs in your memory, but yeah. you know, it's just locked in. So, um, and uh, for your terms of advertising, did you always find MXA? To be the best and most effective, I would guess. I mean, they were the they were just killing it back then. You know, they were. They were very strong. Um, they treated us very good, and they still do to this day. But back then, for for what I was selling, because it yeah. was motocross based stuff, and I couldn't afford multiple magazines. At, you know, at that time, I started uh, basically only an MXA, and it was probably. Oh, maybe I'd run a month and I'd skip a month, or you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything consistent. It was like, man, these ads are, you know, pretty pricey. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it slowly, and then slowly, I could increase the frequency of the ads, and then I start, started advertising a little bit. I think I'd run an ad or two a year in Dirt Rider and try to reach a couple of different, you know, markets mm-hmm. that way. But MXA for sure was uh, was my main advertising source. And to me, when I think of Worst Connection and sort of where you've been and where you started and what broke you, we covered the skid plates and the frame guards, of course, were great. I had a set of those as well. And to me, the the the, per- the adjustable perch and the and the radiator braces are two other products that really just came out and you know blew everything else out of the water. Um, when does the perch come out? When do you start looking at that? And I, I think I talked to you one time before. You kind of patterned off the Honda ones that were an on more of a just 
Honda had just one adjustment, just a kind of a lever uh, on the factory bikes, right? Yeah, and it was. And when we got into the purchase, it was more. It wasn't really even the quick adjust thing that was what was big. We found that a lot of guys were just putting the Honda stock Honda levers on their bike because the leverage ratio was oh, okay. so good. Yeah. So they they're running Honda purchase just stock purchase on their you know all brands of bikes, and we started looking at that. I started looking into doing an aluminum you know, perch. Yeah. And, and honestly, I found a guy, uh, back East, uh, who was, he was already making one. So this guy, Oscar Azevedo, mm-hmm. he, he owned at the time nine one one MX shop right there at, and, uh, he's right at the track at Redbutt. His, okay. his shop was right at the track. He had one and he advertised in, um, well, what it was it the racing paper. Or oh yeah. Yeah. Before racer X. Yeah. 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 It's a newspaper form. So, I ended up uh, I ended up calling him, and I wanted to. My my thought was, man, this would this would fit into our line. It would mm-hmm. be perfect. And I wanted to technically, I just wanted to buy him from him. And I start talking to Oscar, and one thing leads to another. And instead, you know, he wasn't really set up to to. He didn't have the capabilities of machining. Yeah. And I thought it could be improved. I thought we could do some different things. So, over time of of talking to him about the idea and whatnot. It, it turned to what, out to where we just, we basically, I paid him a licensing fee, and we just took the whole project on. We changed it. We used our machine shop. I outsourced, you know, the Honda levers from different sources, mm-hmm. and we, we built our own, but I ended up paying, you know, I paid the licensing for him or to him because, you yeah. know, I, honestly, I wasn't the originator. Yeah. Um, and his influence came from a meeting he had uh, with Roger DeCoster. They were at some kind of a... I think it was Terry Goods, you know, yeah, museum, museum he had or something, and yep. and they had billet perches on the the factory bikes at the time, and so Oscar saw that idea and and took it, and um, and it turns out Oscar, I mean, I'm still friends with him today, but he shut down his DMX shop and he created an ad agency a couple of years later, maybe mm. a year later, okay, and so he instantly he took over all of our advertising. Um, oh, cool! And, and did ads yeah, yeah. until probably ooh, three three years ago. He shut he shut down and and moved on to different things. But wow, me so me oh, out, yeah. Full circle, yeah. and we we joke because the the licensing thing was it was something I've never done, and I don't know that he'd ever done it. But I just felt it was the right thing to do instead of just you know nowadays. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no integrity, so no, you know, no guys would just go, oh, that's a good idea. I can do that and just yeah. do it. I went through some patent stuff with one company I worked for, and people were violating it, and the company just went, eh, oh, well, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that, <was> that, <laughs> that whole thing, yeah. That's another whole conversation, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Um, so frustrations of patents. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. So, to me, I mean, that perch did well, right? Like, I, I just started seeing them everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So we, we did, you know, it, it was just a standard adjuster, yep. but everybody liked the Honda leverage. We put a poly sleeve Oh, it didn't in, uh, come with the quick adjust at first? No, at this point, they were just they were just standard purchase. And they bolted from the top, which was super cool. They they bolted from the top. We yeah. cleaned yep, up the bottom. Right. Um, at this point, so now we're into 90, it's probably 90, late 95-ish, six, okay. 96, somewhere in that range. Actually, I met my... Uh, wife at that point she was from Placerville area where I grew up so I moved um, up to this area rented our first commercial building 
all about the same time that that perch was was taking off. So that was another huge step for us to get some yeah. actual you and, know, and, big big space. And you have some employees now by '95, right? You said yeah. '93, so, so you have a couple back guys. In, yeah. So I hired uh, Andrew Weber, who was with me for oh, probably 15 years. Um, he started back in the days when I was in in my house in mm-hmm. Antelope. So probably '93 ish, I started yep. getting some help. I just it, was, it reached a point where I just <laughs> I couldn't do it all. I, you know, at night I'm driving. I was I was just wearing myself into the ground, which I'm yep. young. I, I mean, you know, things were rolling. It was fun, but at the same time, I realized, man, I need to develop new stuff and to stay up with everything. I need I need some help. So. Right. I talked to him, and I knew him from um, a couple of places. He had worked a couple of shops prior to that, so he came to work for me, and uh, he was excellent. I mean, he was a really solid guy, mm-hmm. so he was he had a lot of good ideas. And anyway, so yeah, we're, so I've got some help at that point, which was was huge. Um, and so the perch was a success right out of the box. I think so it the, was the right. Perch was was pretty darn good right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So it had the poly sleeve. Had some different things, yep. and then we got a request from uh, Jimmy Button's team, who was, who I think it was Chaparral he was writing for at the time, and they were using some kind of a quick adjust thing off of like a GSXR street bike. It had a big, yeah, knurled wheel, had a strap that put tension on it. So we started designing one of the. We made one uh, basically for him, and then we we sold it. But it had a kind of a wheel with a tension strap underneath a stainless strap and you have it was a quarter turn you know you just mm-hmm. roll you had to roll it back um but that because he was a, a, a chronic clutch abuser i guess right but so we made the first you know that was our first easy adjust that probably came maybe a year after oh you know, okay the so there was about somewhere a, year, in that. a year gap there somewhere yeah, yeah. somewhere yeah. in that timeline and Race tech suspension and engines, people. Pulp MX-18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech. Guys like the HEP Suzuki team and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulp MX-18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. I just remember the things being everywhere shortly after. And isn't it funny how, like, everyone, like you said, the Honda ratio was ideal for a lot of people. And... You're just like, why wouldn't the other OEMs just put Honda ratios? They just never did. No one ever did forever. They, right? they never did, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. But. And it was always acknowledged, like, yeah, that's pulling a Honda is just great. You know, it's easy. It engages at the right point and everything else. And right. and just no one else ever said, hey, what, is, what, is, what does Honda use for a ratio? So, Yeah. Oh. I, you know, it, it seems like some of that stuff seems so simple. 
but at the same time, mm-hmm. they have the molding fees for all of their stuff and the tooling. True, yeah. You know, and yeah. I think they get locked in a little bit on, no, this is this works. We don't need anything different. Yeah, yeah screw everybody else. All right. It was it was all right. We were happy. We were selling yeah. the levers like, or, you know, the perches like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, dude, they, I just remember them just, I had a few, and they, were, they seemed to be everywhere. People love the adjustment. They love the idea of adjusting it and how easy it was. And, I mean, what a pain in the ass before a flat blade screwdriver, a pair of pliers. You know, just, oh, yeah. yeah, like just, just a pain in the ass before. Yeah, so for sure. Um, so what was, what was like a bigger jump for you? The the perch, the plate, frame guards. Like what was it? Perch that kind of. You know, the perches took on a life of their own. It, right. Uh, it went pretty big. Yeah. Uh, it, because it was a it was a universal part was the the beauty of it back mm-hmm. then it's it's not that way anymore unfortunately but yeah you had just one part number it fit every bike so it it just simplified the yep. whole process we could order them in bulk as the, the numbers started going mm-hmm. you know bigger um, yeah the the perches probably a year or two after that we started developing uh, radiator braces. Yes. Started getting a lot of calls from, from guys asking about, man, is there any way to, and, you know, we racked our brain and came up with this concept. We went through quite a, a few things. It was like, man, this thing has to be, I want to make it super light and not bulky. Yeah. But something fairly strong. And we've, you know, it was it was an evolution for sure. We started really thin material and, and they didn't do a whole lot, to be honest. And mm-hmm. so we upgraded, and you know that's that's evolved into what it is now. Some of our radiator brace kits are rubber mounted, and you know pretty elaborate setups. But they're uh, and, so that was another big part of our our business. But the, the perches, and then the radiator braces, and you know of course being an enthusiast, I'm I'm still riding today. I try to get out a couple of days a week if I can. But you know you could kind of see. You can see trends, and you can see kind of what's needed, mm-hmm. and and just to, it's nice to keep your you know finger on the pulse that way. And, and yeah, I was going to say you're testing this stuff during the week. You're riding with it, you and your buddies, and whatever else, right? Like you're right. You're real world testing this thing. Well, and then mm-hmm. the teams honestly, the teams were a huge help. I mean, we we'd give a team some of these things, and we had Suzuki running our frame guards at a certain point, um, and. I mean, it was some of my scariest moments, of course. I'm I'm dealing with Roger. I'm talking to Roger at one of the Supercrosses, and he's trying to, you know, tell me I, I need to make them lighter, and I'm just in awe of Roger standing there. <laughs> I don't even hear what he's saying, you know. But, uh, so, yeah, I mean, some. Yeah. Of, but through that race team stuff, I mean, a, a lot has evolved in between local pro riders that we sponsor and, of course, race teams. You know, there was you, – you, you find out really quickly what – Mm-hmm. breaks or what works and doesn't work and how it can be improved. And I'm guessing the radiator braces are huge sellers. I mean, you want to talk about a set of radiators and what they cost and everything else and yeah, they, they damage they, pretty they, easy. You know, they, the radiator braces are still to this day do do very well because the, the radiators aren't cheap. Right, right. Um, you know, there was a few years also where we you know, had them on the factory Hondas, which was huge because the Hondas were probably the the biggest issue. You know, the the weakest mm-hmm. radiators of the bunch. They're of course the lightest, right. but they and, folded pretty easy. So and now they buy them, but they they paint them black. Is that they still do that, or what's the deal uh, with that? You know, we, well, we powder coat them. Okay, uh, but they're not they're not using them on the new generation like the seventeen. Okay, they were. all right, yeah, they were before um, though for sure. Might, yeah, they might have made their own strap or yeah, they, yeah. The way they've done the shrouds is a help, but for the average guy, 
we still think they're vital just because, you know, Honda, if they smash one, they just change it. You know, yep. No big deal. Yep. But, uh, yeah, for a while they were probably, I imagine, purchasing them and powder. you were powder coating them black, and there we go, right? Um, yes. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that that's an ultimate, like, sort of, you know, feather in your cap, I think, as a company. Like, you know, these guys... These guys are buying them. They they don't want to put them on a lot of you know ins and outs of sponsoring a team and all of that. But they they want this product so bad that uh, they're still yeah, putting them on. You know, yeah. but we were tied in with Honda um, before that. So mm-hmm. we actually in the nineties we were we had you know Team Suzuki for many years in the, in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, and we did some stuff with um, Jeremy and Lampson with the Chaparral days. And weren't you involved with the PJ one team with, but uh, yeah, PJ one ninety six, And then I, I was, we were involved with that team yep. as well. Our paths probably crossed at some point. Um, and then moving, going into, I want to say it was nine, 99 or 2000. My, my mm-hmm. twin boys were born in 98. So I'm thinking there's 99 ish. But we we got involved with Honda and just I just approached him and said, hey, what is what does it take to be an official sponsor of the team? Yep. And so we were official sponsor. They used our stands as another product that we added probably around 19, you know ninety seven ninety eight. Yeah. We started using our stands and some different things. Our then we had throttle tubes at that point. They're using throttle tubes and some different trinket things there. And so we had we you know we had a relationship with Honda. And through the when Ricky was there mm-hmm. it was about the end of it probably oh three ish. Okay. And I think they well they're at that point we're actually it was it was the only team um, that were paying money to be on the bike. Yeah. We've, yeah. That up to that point we've Just never product or everything you know, yeah. Considered that yeah but um but so we did that for quite a few years and we still work on some projects um you know for Honda mm-hmm. we did some Trey Kennard. Uh, this cool piece with a, a crankshaft that they supply, kind of a, a, a thank you to Trey for all the years that he rode there for Honda. So we still are in, you know, it's nice to still get a call from those guys, and it's like yeah. they're working on a project. Or, um, Did you, well, I guess, yeah, I didn't even mention throttle tubes were great also. I think, were you one of the first? About, Weren't you? Yeah, well, I yeah, feel we're like you were. First. So we started, we started buying them. Um, I want to say that Fastway. At that time, oh, yeah. with the, the originators right. back, and this is probably, I would guess, 96 97. 97, Fastway stuff, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're buying them from them. Again, I'm, I'm kind of going with the theory, I don't, we could make it and do it, but these guys already have it. I don't, you know, it, it was an era where I'm not going to just take something and, and copy it and, and do it. So we, we bought, you know, theirs, we paid whatever they wanted for it. It was just something that we could add to our, yeah. to our line of products. And, and it, it, you know, so these products start growing and it starts, you know, getting a, we have the space now. We, we're in a commercial building, so we figured, man, let's, you know, venture out a little bit and try to widen the, the range of products. Yeah, I remember, uh, I imagine the factories were using aluminum throttle tubes for a long time. And then, uh, you know, but then as a privateer, as a mechanic or as a racer, you'd, you'd crash and break your throttle and that was it. You're done. And it's like right. so weird, like, that, why haven't we had aluminum throttle tubes our whole lives? <laughs> right? Like, right. No, for, for crash proof. It's, yeah. Yeah. And there's no race team, probably, or very few that don't have them. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I agree. It was an amazing, amazing deal where you're just like, wow, I gotta have worse connection throttle tube. Just get me worse connection, you know, the throttle yeah. tube. Um, so, 
Okay, so yeah, business is growing, things are moving. Did you find that sponsoring a team like Factory Honda came back to you in sales? Did you find that that was you know, worth I, it? I don't I know guess? if there's a, yeah. a way to gauge it 100%. Right. But it 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 helped for sure. Um, I mean, it, it, that's for us. That was the pinnacle of mm-hmm. sponsorship is Honda, you know, and and that's no slam on any other team. But it was they were the guys, and throughout the '80s when I was in, you know growing up, those were the guys. So it was really cool. They ran up under the fender decal for us, and on the posters, and we still have some posters here, and you know, so it was it was neat. It it, it definitely. You know, improve sales. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if there's a yeah. a number that you can, whatever, or a percentage. But by that time, also we we had picked up Parts Unlimited as a distributor, as well as as Tucker. So now we're, you know, and, and I can't even remember the year of that. That's probably around ninety eight, ninety nine, maybe a little later. But it's mm-hmm. all it all happened right around those yeah. on the years. So I think it gave us some leverage here and there, and, and some more. Demand, you know, people wanting the products, Did the f- asking by yeah, asking by name, you know, for the products. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting leap right there to be like, okay, I got to write a check, you know, but I want to. This is going to help exposure. It's going to help sales. It's going to help the coolness factor of the company and everything else, you know. Right. Um, right. And that was uh, you know for us to write a check, it was like, oh yeah, man, I don't know. And that's it, a big check, I would think. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it was, and it was tied in. You know, if I, I go back again, like to year two thousand, we helped out Steve Lampson with kind of a co-op effort with Troy Lee when he did his own thing that year. Yeah, that's so, what I was, I was getting to that. Yeah, so yeah, so that was that was in two thousand. So that was all. That kind of was about the same time that we got involved with Honda. You know, I met Dan Bentley through mm-hmm. Lammy, of course, yep. and um, and all that. So yeah, all that was about the same time. So Lampson, uh, he was at uh, Chaparral, and then uh, he, he left Chaparral and then started his own team, 125 Nationals. Uh, he drops back down after riding the 250 for a couple of years, gets some help from Honda, probably probably some illegal parts on that bike, I'm guessing, over that year because he was also a test guy. Um, but he was killing it on his own team that you had a, you had a big part of. So in a way, Eric, it was cool to help out a guy that's helped you out for so long, right? No, it absolutely was, and you know he just called me out of the blue, and mm-hmm. of course he was injured at the time, and he's getting a few years past his championships, and people are starting to doubt him, and uh, you know there's no way I'm going to say no. No, I, mean, I, I jumped at the chance. I we had actually just also moved into. I bought my first uh, commercial building, so we moved again. We doubled our space. Things are 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 starting to happen, and he comes to me and says. Would you be interested in, you know, throwing in some some money and making and doing this? He goes, I got a truck. I think I have a bike. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a, a couple of the the big elements. Got Dave Die, Dave Die working. Dave Die, <laughs> got Dave Die. I met Dave Die that year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean that was that was an interesting year. So we, you know, threw in some money for his effort, and mm-hmm. Troy Lee got involved and brought in sponsors and. You know, at one point, well, he won Hangtown that year, yep. and he led the point at a certain for two or three rounds for a while. Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, that, that that was a that was a fun year. But you know, we're, we were pretty predominant on the shroud, and mm-hmm. um, it was a it was that was huge for us. I mean, that was was really big. I mean, to win the local race at Hangtown was just over the top. Yeah, and I imagine too, like for you. 
it's, it's a little bit of like, of course, Steve, like what you did for me was, like you said, you can't put a price on that. And I'm happy to repay you however I can in a little bit, you know? Yeah, like, no, absolutely. Yeah. That was that was mostly what it was. And, you know, as we got into it, 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 it changed from, hey, you want to be a sponsor of the team? I could see the strain it was putting on him. Yeah. Even like after round one or two, and I said, hey, if you want... Uh, I'll be happy to to step in and kind of help you or take over the the managing yeah. spot of this because as a writer he was he made the initial phone calls for to every sponsor on the team but after that I could see it just it was distracting to him you know and right. taking away from his his regular program so I offered my services I said hey I, I've never done it before but I'd be happy to you know show me what to do what you have to do yeah. as far as flights and arranging and trying to keep Dave Dye from driving the van off the road, whatever it is. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And, and so I went to actually quite a few rounds that year. It was it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, and unfortunately, we, he faltered near the end of the series and had some had some issues and I think some other injuries. And, yeah. And and didn't didn't win it, but he was he was right in the mix that whole year. There was a Japanese guy alongside him for a little while, and Dave Dye would make the mechanic do all the work. Akira yeah. Narita. Was it Narita? Was yeah, it, okay. it was Narita. Um, it, was, it was a young, young Narita. Yeah, sure. and then I would tell Narita's mechanic all this stupid stuff to do, and he would do it. It was like having his own personal slave. Yeah, yeah. there were, there were some interesting dynamics, but he he owned the truck, or they they had a deal. So yeah, we shared the truck yeah. with Narita, and um, and like I said, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's probably some factory works parts on that bike at some point. Um. You know, there was a few things. Uh, for sure. Yeah, it was a cool deal for sure. Yeah, and everything looked good. The TLD gear, the the graphics, the bike. It was a cool look. Number six, you know, like it was. Right. It was neat. Um, one of our favorites, and actually, I built a, a replica bike of that year, and and you know, just to have in our showroom mm-hmm. because for us that was that was a really cool year, and and probably the biggest thing to that point that we had done. And but the, the bike turned out great. Pro Circuit actually built me a cone pipe for it, and I mean, just yeah. making it as authentic as possible. And so, yeah, it's really cool. I, I, I do walk by. That's one bike in the showroom that I I walk by and see it, and it just yeah, yeah you're like, oh, sweet, cool. yeah. Um, the four-stroke era. Uh, in one sense, it hurt worse connection because there's no skid there's skid plates built into the bikes. On the other hand, there's a bunch of trinkets to make and oil plugs and and things like that. Um. And I'm, I, I was going to say, does a four-stroke error help or hurt worse connection? But, I mean, it doesn't seem to matter because you're growing and you're killing it. But the, the things change with four-stroke error as far as products needed and things like that. Um, how, how was that for your business? Uh, yeah, products change, but the four-strokes were they were huge for us, honestly. Um, why you know, would, why would they be huge? Scary, but then you start looking at it, you're like, well, all the Hondas, they come with, they didn't have skid plates at the time, the 450s. Oh, they didn't? They okay. Had, they right. had plastic engine guards, so we saw something there. You know, a two-strokes never had an engine guard before. True, true, yeah. So we probably, in, well, whenever the Hondas came out and the YZ450 was out at that point. Um, but, yeah, we started building skid plates for those and engine guards. And, and then, of course, like you said, the, the engine plugs. Yep. We like man, that would be a natural. So we started doing the engine plugs, and you know we've had oil fills for plugs for a while. But there was a lot of more, you know, there's a lot more stuff going on with mm-hmm. the, the four strokes and the two strokes for and sure. And then uh, Product a hot start, and, and a hot yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. De- com- <laughs> we did purchase with compression releases. We had some with hot starts. We yeah. had, you know, we had a, a cable kit that included the cable for hot start kits. I mean, it's yeah. so the four stroke kind of. 
yeah, it was a change. It was different, but there was a ton of parts available for you know. Yeah, things to make. Create yeah. for just for the four stroke. Well, I remember last time I was up there at, at your place, I made a joke about this hot start perch. I'm like, wow, you, you know, throw these away, and you're like, no, no, they still sell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the, the weirdest part, or one of the weirdest parts for me is, you know, these bikes, like, we did these frame guards in the mid-90s for mm-hmm. the Hondas and all these bikes, and we discontinued them when we got into four strokes, and this is probably about, you know, in two, in mid-2000s, those things are, those bikes are 10 years old, nobody's buying any of that stuff, and then we wait a little bit longer, and you start getting into 2010, 2012, and mm-hmm. now these bikes are collector pieces, we're getting calls I'm not saying like crazy, but yeah. we're getting a fair yeah. amount of calls going, hey, do you, do you have any skid plates laying around? Do you have any frame guards? And we, <laughs> we didn't. Yeah. And we started noticing, man, it, these guys are, you know, building these retro bikes or these bike builds just got super popular. So we've, we've, we said, hey, we still have everything. The fab yeah. shop still has all the specs. The machine shop has everything. Let's do a limited batch and see what we have. And so, you know, it's gone through from developing them, to discontinuing them, to <laughs> reinstating them, right. and they're still, you know, relevant today. So yeah, no, they're, that's, they're, that's pretty cool. They're cool looking too. I think. I think the frame guards on a bike looks pretty pretty sweet. I think. And uh, my factory pro tip back in the day, Eric, was getting a sharpie or a pitboard marker or whatever, and um, as a mechanic, and then you fill in the works connection on the oh, frame yeah. guard. Yeah. So it's black, you know, and then you wipe it. You wipe it the excess off. Sweet. It looked so sweet. It made the works connection thing, the works connection logo, stand out. And so. we had guys, you know, fully polishing them so they look like the Honda. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. I, I frame guards are definitely a cool product for us. Um, absolutely. It's uh, it's amazing the, the stuff that you guys have done and and built over the years. And from what I understand, I if correct me if I'm wrong, but you use the same machinist today that you used back in the day. Same guy. Well, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, so for the most part, yeah. One of the guy that uh, builds all of our perches we've used since probably '95-ish. Mm-hmm. So over 20 years, and the other machine shop um, that we predominantly use is going on close to that same timeline, maybe 15 to 17 years. Yeah. So, yeah, these some of the guys unfortunately the the original fab shop that we started with had some uh issues and it was family related uh-huh. stuff and the the owner of the company unfortunately passed away so and it didn't you know it went downhill from there so we did have to find a new fab shop obviously some of the employees from that same fab shop started and it's and still guys that we are using today and then the machine shops, you know, the machine shop part of it, and we changed after a few years. Um, their their goals changed and whatnot. But once we locked in these other two shops, it's it's just they they're solid guys. They know what we need. The you know yeah. they can produce. You know, I get asked all the time, like, why don't you just get another building, or why don't you put machines on the floor there? Right. Why are you paying these guys? And you know, I'm not a machinist. I don't I right. don't know. I know more than I you know, throughout the years. Oh, yeah, I would think osmosis, you have quite a bit of knowledge by now. Yeah, but I don't want to be responsible for the maintenance on these things or or repairing them. And I said, hey, let's put that end of it. Mm -hmm. We'll focus on what we, what I think we do best, and that's create, you know, come up with the ideas for products, draw them up, do some designs, do some prototypes, but let the machine shop, let the special, you know, they specialize in that stuff. So let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so that's kind of where we're at. But these guys are, yeah, we work well together. Uh, and it's, yeah, there's no reason to bring it in-house at this point, even though, you know, if you look at the, if you're looking at dollars, it doesn't make any sense to not bring it in. Yeah. But at a certain point, you reach, you know, I'm, it's you're, 51 you're, at the yeah. time. So I'm like, you know, i not that I'm not motivated, but it's like that's a lot, you know. And it's <laughs> yes, a whole exactly. other—it's basically a whole other business, and it's like yeah. it's just not a, something I want to take on. And and it's and the I don't, you know, it's worked over the years. So if it's not broke, why fix it? Uh, one of the coolest things you do for an ad is uh, Anaheim One. You go around and uh, you or somebody counts the number of Pro Launch Start devices on Pro's bikes, and then you do a little ad and 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 you have it yeah. up and. It's something that's so popular. Of course, the my story is, of course, Yamaha brought them over in, like, 01. Right. And yeah. I was working for Nick Way in 02, and we were wondering what was going on with this starting device and what was happening, and nobody knew it was just a hook into plastic. I don't think at first <laughs> we all thought it was something internally or something way more uh, sophisticated, and uh, we got one built, and I think we were the first guys outside of Factory Yamaha to have one. And... Uh, First prototype was too thin. It ripped right through the plastic, and it was good times by, or had by all when I was trying to develop it. And, of course, you took the idea. Well, Honda saw it, did a really cool little deal, made it a little better than Yamaha. Not shocking, by the way. And uh, then, uh, you know, just because of their four-stroke and everything else. And then you took it and advanced it even further. Um, and now, th- dude, so many guys use your your uh, your starting device. You know, and it, it's really cool. So every year, Anaheim one, I go down and I used to go Friday get some pictures. But I just I walk around, I walk through the pits, mm-hmm. and I just I have got my iPhone. I mean, it's nothing fancy, and I just if I see one on a bike, I take a picture of it. And you know, and and we did those ads where we had the number plates. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to give back to those guys who are running it. You know, a lot of these guys we have con- direct contact with. They're either a sponsored rider of ours or whatnot, or a team, obviously. Um, but a lot of them aren't. They're just guys that are, you know, hardworking privateers that went and bought these things. And so it's cool. It's really cool for me to to walk around and to to get the pictures. It's harder every year, almost. You know, it's because of the numbers. But it's something that's it's really cool. And and you're right. All that started in '02. So in in '02 we were uh, working with Honda, of course, and I got to know Mike Gossler pretty well. And Mike said, hey, I mean, he kind of came to me with the thing of, like, this is what Yamaha's doing. We've got to do something different. But the, um, he's basically said, I think this is going to be big. Yeah. So, and at that point, I knew I knew that, or I heard through Grapevine that Mitch is working on one. And, and so it was just kind of a, a race to get, your, to get it <laughs> developed first right. off, to test it, to make sure... Because it was a weird concept. Nobody knew anything about it, you know. And like you said, Yamaha kind of, yeah. they covered it with a rag. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, they, you know, nobody really knew. It was like somebody knew something was going on, but it, that was so simple. But the problem was on the Honda, they couldn't run a hook because the fork guards are way closer to the forks. Yep. So they had to create the, the pin and spring type, which is what we made our, ourselves. And we came out to market with that probably... Oh, around June of that year. So it took us a, probably six months yeah. of development time and, and all that. And then we were off and running on that, too. That was another, you know, a good product for us. And, of course, Pro Circuit and probably ten other companies at that point. Yeah, out, it was close, right. Them, yeah, it was it was close. I feel like we were, 
one of the earliest ones right. um, out, and so we had I mean immediate success, and then we've changed the style. Yeah, you, um, you change it from the button to the lever for patent reasons. I'm thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. we yes. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know th- there is a, there is a patent on the spring one, and and why I don't, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, good. If, if everybody anyway, knew, kind long of the, story short, yeah. we 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 redesigned, and right. um, and I actually approached, you know, I went down and and had a meeting with Mitch and the guys at Pro Circuit, and I I, I came up with a design, and I said, hey, I, I've got a new, I've got a new one that I think. Will work. It will work really well, yeah. and actually work a lot better. Than I think that. it does we work were, better, right? It, oh, it's, yeah, it's way better. On you know, honestly, like if it how it sets, and you can't yep. hit go too early, it just deflects off and will still latch. And, right. I mean, everything about it. Once we got into developing the new one, worked really well, and we're using magnets, and you know, the magnets are super efficient. So, um, but I did. I, I approached. You know, Pro Circuit, and I said, "Hey, you guys had to quit selling these. We had to quit selling them. I've got this idea, and I, I think you know this is a keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually private label them for them. We we do everything and just put their name on it. But, right. But Mitch was all about it, and so yeah, I mean, it's worked out. It's been a good partnership for us, and uh, so yeah, and and getting the new style out was nice. That that they you know they sell them as well." So last count, like how many guys are using these on, a, on at a Supercross on, on a on a Saturday night? Oh, including teams yeah. and whatnot, uh, over fifty percent. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, nice so work. We're we're pumped on that. I mean, the, you know, Kawasaki they build their own in house, and mm-hmm. you know, you get guys like that. But yeah, yeah, I I, I think at one point we had over a hundred guys at a race. Jeez. Out of out of about you know 130 entries, right. that was probably our peak. So, yeah, no, the numbers are, are good, and it's it's nice to the the guys you know like them and like how mm-hmm. easy they are to set and and they're you know they function, they do what they're supposed to do. So. Yep, yep, and and you get really mad at me every time I say that we should lose them in pro racing. Absolutely, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just want to I just want to reach through and choke you out when I'm listening. To Listen, the take take them off, take the greats away, take the. You know, like, God, we think how easy we make it to start now, Eric. Like, it's just, it, it, dude. I, I'm in, in, in an agreement. Electronics, I, you know, too, everything. I, in one know? way, I agree with right. 100% with you. Like, put it back in the rider, but if somebody's going to be selling them, I'd rather be selling them. Well, no, sell them for amateurs, just not the supercrosses, <laughs> just not supercross and motocross. But, okay. um, no, it's a, it's been a fantastic success. And, of course, like, it's so works connection to take something and make it better. Right, like make it a little better, where you're just like, oh yeah, works even better. Like that's sort of the hallmark. Like, hey, every bike does have a rear caliper guard, but we've made it better. Every bike right. has a skid, pl- or not every bike has a skid plate, but you know, people have skid plates out there, like the first ones. But we've made it better, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know? that was actually our tagline for a lot of our. Was it? Ads. Oh, okay. All right. We make we make it better, which yeah. is a, not very good English wise, but you know, it, it gets the point across. <laughs> it does. Um, how do you juggle? Oh, by the way, Eric Phipps on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Alpine Stars and Maxis. Thanks to those guys as well. Um, how do you juggle? I've got a couple people, other people that I work, you know, that I know well in the industry, and and they're racers like you, and they they love the pro racing end of things. But at some point, they always struggle with tr- giving away too much product. You know what I mean? Like, l- let's face it. Like, there's 
you and I love these guys, like privateer guys and all that, but right. are they actually selling product for you? Who knows? And it costs you money, and then there's shipping involved and everything else. And, like, Peyton doesn't really do anything unless you pay for the shipping. Like, I mean, you got to be pretty pretty big name to not pay for shipping from Pro Circuit. It's just right. something he's always believed in. And a few of my buddies that own companies like yours, they battle with the same things. And then I hear from privateers, oh, they want to charge me. But, man, that, like... How do you deal with that, Eric? How do you deal with that? Because you love the sport, you love these guys, and you want to support them, but you also want to make a living. Like it, that's a hard balance, huh? Well, no, it absolutely is. And in a perfect world, you you just these guys, these privateers, you give them free product, and you yeah, you try to do more than that for them. You know, I mean, for what they're getting in purse money and and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I got it has to make sense mm-hmm. too. So there's. You know, we have all different levels, but yeah, it gets it gets complicated. But it's hard because you do have you feel for the guys. You have you know we had, we've had sponsored riders that we've had for ten years plus on a privateer level. Um, you know, giving them free product and and they're great guys. And on a local level, they're very highly respected from their local guys. And that's how we look at. It. They're not mm-hmm. always at the nationals. They're not always. At a supercross, they'll be at a local track, and yeah. you know a lot of them run schools, so they talk about the products at the schools. And yeah, we I mean we just budget a certain number a year, and of course that number always goes way over what we budgeted for. But we just it's like it's kind of my way of giving back. You know these mm-hmm. guys are guys are busting their ass, and so it's it's like the least we can do and and as long as they're not going to an extreme where they're saying oh, I I need like you know 10 start devices and yep. 20 of this it's these guys are on these guys are budget minded they know you know that it's not cheap and they're very appreciative of what we can you know offer them and yeah. you know and no they're good about it yeah it's a it's a tough deal man like yeah, it all costs you money, right? And it's, gee, gee whiz, like, uh, but you want to help. Is. So, yep. Absolutely. And, but, it, you know, it's, and we cover, you know, shipping unless it's overnight or, you know what I mean? It's, but the weirdest part for me, too, is, like, if I think about it, like, we've had guys, and, and now we've been in business long enough. We've got guys, for example, like Chris Young was one of our riders back in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember Chris. Yeah, yeah. Both 125 Suzuki or and 250 the same night. And, yep. Well, now his, you know, his kids are of age to ride, or they have been for years, and so we're seeing second generation sponsored riders coming through, and and not just him. There's a lot of other guys with their kids, and it's it's hard because you have sentimental value in there, but then maybe if the if the kid's not at the level to receive free stuff, it's you know it, it, yeah. it's it's a little complicated, but at the same time it it's cool because it's like you've been around this long and and done it, so it's. It's neat seeing that second generation of, of guys come through, and it's like, man, we sponsored your dad back in the day, or you know. There's yeah, a lot yeah. more. There's <laughs> almost too much of that going on nowadays. Getting, I know, right? We'll be thirty year old company next year. So, yeah. Um, what's the product that you thought would be a hit and didn't turn out to be that way? No, we don't have any of those. Oh, okay. All right, no. we're moving on then. <laughs> what? No, you know we. I don't remember what year it was. It was probably early 90s. We came out with a uh, what we call the shock cooler. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And it was a thin, you know, it had fins on it. Uh-huh. It wrapped around the, the shock reservoir. It had literally a couple of hose clamps, thin hose clamps that mm-hmm. held it on. 
we did testing. The thing actually worked. It, it took some the heat away um, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, don't pun intended. But then <laughs> these things were a pain to machine because you're. We had a, a special. They had a vacuum fixture they're using to machine these things. They were costly. We started anodizing them, taking the anodized off, you know, red, so they'd stand out. And it was a product I thought, man, this is pretty cool. It's right. actually, it's not just a, a an item that adds color to your bike. It has a function and it's performance. Yeah. And Lampson rode, you know, ran it a couple of times, but it's thing with Pro Circuit, and there was some weird, you know, it, mm-hmm. it just it didn't take off yep. basically. Yep. And we sold some, and we still have a few laying around here. I got, you know, a couple in my display case up front, but it's. It, that was probably the one item that I thought, man, this is kind of yeah, a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah but it, if it, it actually works, right, it's a good idea. Yeah, Taking heat but, away from a reservoir is good. Yeah. But the average guy didn't get it or, you know, it, it, that was that was one. And, and there's been other things, but that one is probably the one that, that stands out in my mind. And then what's the – I know we've probably covered it here, but what's been something that you developed on a whim or didn't had no idea would sell like it did? I mean, skip. I mean, maybe the original skip plate, but you know what I mean, like something that you. Yeah, you know. Well, it's just like everything. In in 2013, I bought a Honda. I bought a CRF 450. It had air forks. Mm-hmm. And instantly, I realized that man, these these checking air pressure and <laughs> trying to get to the valves yeah. and all that was a pain. So we developed a kit that you know had 90 degree swivels. Um, and you could get to the air valves really easily. And that was an item I thought, yeah, it's kind of a specialty part, but we didn't realize that how much of a pain and how much people disliked having to check it and had a right. hard time doing it. But because I had the bike and was riding it, I, I kind of realized it. I'm, I was hoping others other would, would yeah. see the value of it because they weren't, they were costly to produce for us, for mm-hmm. one. They were brass, and there was we had some engineering involved with all of it to make it work. And, right. Um, and they were, you know, the kit was great for making it easy, um, but we weren't sure they would take off or be popular, and and they were very popular for quite a few years, and they still are on, on you know, we make a kit for KTM yeah. to use on the single-side fork, and... Of course, now Honda's gone away from it, and yeah, uh, yeah, now is with the 19 has gone away from it. But those kits, we just thought, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll move a few of these. But it, it was surprising. Yeah, it. Uh, I think everybody's realized the error of the ways of the air fork. So yeah, you know, I, but but like you said, they'll, yeah. they'll keep selling them because they'll, the, those bikes will still be out there. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, awesome, man. Anything else? Did we forget anything? Did we cover it all? I think we did. Uh, I think that we covered a lot. That was a, that was a nice trip down memory lane. Yeah. Well, what a what a company you've built. What a what a what a brand. What what a company. Like we talked about all these racers using it, and I think I would think ninety percent of the people listening to this have used a works connection part on their motorcycle, which is got to be really cool. You know, it's when I go to a race and I see a Pulpum X shirt, I just like I'm like, oh my god, look at that. I don't even know yeah. that guy. And you know, it's not a guy you know. That's no, and cool. I don't even know that guy. So that's <laughs> that's something that you've done for millions. So um, why don't you why don't you get me a large when you get a chance? I need I'll, to. Maybe I'll I'll see you at a race and I'll have my pulp shirt on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, for yeah. sure. We'll we'll do that. And uh, no, because I I do I I'm an avid fan, not only a sponsor of the show, but I the content is awesome, and I look forward to. I don't listen to it live very often, yeah. but I, I listen to it throughout the week when I'm working on a project or 
doing paperwork or driving to a track or whatever and i the content is awesome so i want to thank you for that yeah no worries thank yeah. you I, th- I think i think uh, i think people really dig listening to stories like yourself and ross maeda and paul feed and, and rich taylor you know what i mean guys like that like like you know behind the scenes you guys have done these way cool things in the industry and well, you're all just like us. You're you're fans, right? You all started loving well, motorcycles. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just a fan, you know. All those guys, and you know, to day, to this day, Mitch still scares the hell out of me. And <laughs> and uh, but no, it's 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 for me. It's you know, I'm just basically a kid out of NorCal, and you know, these guys are all my idols. And and to be able to work now with these yeah. guys and uh, as peers, and work with the riders, and and just be involved in the sport that you know I've loved yeah. forever. You know, I'm still a super fan. I'm glued to the TV on the weekends, and I've got the sports package, and I'm watching practice, and I you right, know, my right. wife thinks I'm an absolute <laughs> nut. I'll go to Hangtown and get home, and what do we do? We watch the races on TV. <laughs> right, right. See what we miss. Yeah. But no, it's, it's been fun to, to be involved in, you know, every day. All of it, yeah. Some days have its challenges, of course, and mm-hmm. I won't say every day is, you know, just glorious by any means. <laughs> right. But as a whole, it's uh, provided me and my family a a great life and you know we're still enjoying what we're doing and and still coming up with ways to make things better well we're it's constant sometimes yeah. i lose sleep at night i wish i could sh- <laughs> i wish i could shut it off but right yeah. uh, no fantastic WorksConnection.com. eric phipps uh the owner on the line uh thanks to fly racing alpine stars maxis of course and uh, eric thank you uh, for everything you've done for the Pulp Show and for everything you've done for motorcycle racing and motorcycle bikes in general. Uh, really cool story. Uh, great guy. And uh, we'll see you down the line, man. Thank you for doing this. All right. Thanks a lot, Steve. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, 
it's like beating a dead horse. And, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, hey,